You're listening to the Superpower Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and I'm delighted to have with us today a really unique guest. Um, unique in the sense that how he kind of puts things together with his engineering mind um, is a lot of fun. Not so unique in the sense that, like a lot of our guests, he really is the culmination of um, kind of integrative modalities and experiences and everything else. And that seems to be a, a profile of folks who are really doing amazing things in the world. And so I, I love that that kind of mix that he brings to the table. But Mitch Russo has um, a, a unique perspective on business and how to go about business. He has a, a podcast himself and um, a couple years ago published The Indiv Invisible excuse me, the invisible organization. And that's all around virtual business. And so really tapping into the energy of business and how that's shifting. Uh, so today we're going to be talking with Mitch about building virtual business in a super powered world. So welcome Mitch to the show. Thank you, Tanya. Great to be here. Thank you. I'm so glad that you joined us. What are your superpowers, Mitch? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, as I was uh, thinking about it, a few things came to mind. Um, and you know, my, probably my, my best superpower is my ability to use my creativity for the good of others. And what I mean by that, I know it's a broad answer, but what I mean by that is that when I work with clients, I see solutions usually very quickly that they can't spot after being in their own business for many years. And then what I do is uh, base my work with them on my experience of working with and helping over 500 different companies succeed in the world, including my own company, which I grew to 10 million and sold, and then Tony Robbins company, which we grew to over 25 million a year in revenue. So my perspective comes from experience, but my solutions come from a very deep creative place that seem to appear just when I need them. Beautiful. So you're throwing around some pretty big numbers there. So what, how did you get to the place to where, you know, something like $10 million and $25 million and stuff just kind of rolls off your tongue? Well, first of all, I, I mean, I was really in my 20s when I built my software company, uh, late 20s. And I mean, I did it the hard way. I did it when, there, first of all, there was no internet. And second of all, I had no investors. Uh, it was, um, done entirely intuitively in the sense that I picked a partner that I hoped would be the right guy, but I had my gut feeling that he was the right guy and he was. And together we built this amazing company. Uh, we worked really, really hard to produce an incredible product, a software program called Time Slips Corporation. And about uh, three years into the process, I, I basically stumbled upon a business model that accelerated the company yet again, uh, as it did from when we were just getting going. So that business model was certification. And so for me, understanding how to certify a group of people and then bring them into your community and literally have them become bonded to the company as your tribe turned out to be one of the most valuable skills I ever learned in my life and resulted in doubling or even tripling the value of my little company back then. Mm, awesome. I love those success stories. And then let's not, let's not set aside the, um, the very big name, 
that, that you presented, Tony Robbins. What, what's your connection to him and how did that come about? Well, I mean, I'm lucky enough to call Tony a friend. Uh, we worked together for five years. Tony, myself, and another gentleman named Chet Holmes built a company together called Business Breakthroughs International. So uh, I was friends with Chet for years, decades even, before we brought Tony into the mix. And when we did, it was like a marriage made in heaven. It was a perfect combination of Tony's fame and amazing abilities to build businesses and promote uh, Chet's incredible talent in, in the way that he was able to train people and create training programs and my ability to build virtual companies and, and manage people in a way I was able to, you know, bring together 300 people from all over the world to be part of this company. And we did it completely virtually. Wow. That's awesome. That's like the Holy grail for a lot of folks who have, um, online communities what so but you come from an engineering background is that correct yes so how i mean that that seems i mean i guess i guess the complementary nature of those um is apparent to me and probably most of our listeners but but the the journey had to have been somewhat fascinating to go from the engineering sector into more of an entrepreneurial um and, and you even named it even a creative element like how how did how did you make that shift well see to me, I thought when I went to school for engineering that I was going to be able to use my creativity in engineering much more than in reality I was able to. So I was a circuit designer. I designed circuits. Uh, I was one of the first people in my community to buy what was then known as a personal computer. So to me, the, the creativity part was doing things in electronics that I love to do. But then when I finally got to work at Digital Equipment Corporation, which is now a defunct mini computer company, I found that only 5 to 10% of my time was spent being creative. The rest of it was running down parts, trying to get uh, prototypes built and babysitting uh, projects through manufacturing, which I think stinks. I had no interest in that. <laughs> That sounds, that's what sounds very similar to my uh, counterintelligence experience, where it was like, you know, 5% James Bond and the rest of it was paperwork. So yeah. um, <laughs> I love that. Very cool. Um, so, so today we've been talking a little bit to, uh, about this idea of building virtual business in the super powered world. I want to get back to that in, in a second. We're going to take a quick break, but, but listen in because I really want to pick Mitch's brain about you know, some of the challenges with the virtual business model, but also what um, he forecasts coming up in the future. So stick with us and we'll be right back. Are you here to change the world? Do you talk about things like vibration, frequency, awakening, and consciousness? Are you pretty sure you have superpowers? The superpower net is unlike normal coaching programs and conscious communities. We provide training, intuitive guidance, peer-to-peer -peer learning, intensive one-on-one -on -one coaching, and a high vibrational network of people just like you. When you join the net, you get 24-7 access to a collaborative group of people who support you as you master your personal power and unlock your superpowers. If you are ready to use your superpowers to change the world, then join the superpower net today. Visit superpowerexperts.com slash the net to learn more. 
Awesome. We're back. You've been listening to the Superpower Up podcast. We're talking to Mitch Russo today about building virtual business in a superpowered world. So Mitch, what, what are some of the challenges in this virtual business concept that maybe the brick and mortar mom and pop shops didn't get, didn't have to deal with? Well, one of the things that I find myself dealing with more than anything else when helping a client through this process is their mindset. And so when I wrote my book, The Invisible Organization, I spent the first third of my book on dealing with mindset because it was so important and so neglected when thinking about converting a company to a virtual organization. You know, it's interesting. I just recently picked up um, a revised copy of Psycho-Cybernetics and, and was thinking that same thing about uh, not just mindset, but also all, everything that goes into our concept of the world and how we view it and view ourselves within it. Um, and, and I agree with you. We, we, my husband and I taught a course. Um, we were working at the counterintelligence special agent course, and, and we, we crafted a course. And one of the main tenets of it was Carol Dweck's book, uh, Mindset. And, um, you know, I loved a lot of what she had to say about the growth strategies, you know, versus how we identify a lot of times with what we think, who we think we are and, and what we think the world exists as. So for you to tie those two things together, what, were there unique things that you were seeing um, in people's mindset that created specific challenges with regard to virtual business? Or was it most of the same, like the, the success principles and everything else? No, it was different. And here's where it was different. Uh, people would think that they could manage a company the same way virtually as they could in a physical-based organization. And it's nothing like that. And to make that mistake is common, but to not fix it is, is deadly. And mm. partially, the, the main reason why is because a lot of CEOs usually are good communicators, but many are not. And many rule through their management team and occasional communication to the company and to the staff. But in a virtual organization that has to be turned upside down, the CEO has to be the personality of the company and must know his why and must be able to make sure that the entire company knows the why of the CEO and the why of the company. And more importantly, the systems must be in place for ample communication at every level. And by ignoring that, thinking, oh, it's just like it is when we all work in the same room, is basically heralding the end of the company. Wow, those are some strong predictions. And, um, and, I, and I like that <laughs> I mean, you say it with such certainty. And so I love, love the um, kind of tying that into this idea of what we would call the evolution of things, you know, so the, so the, the evolution of business as it's seen um, new phases of technology and, and, and virtuality and everything else. What, what, what do you forecast for the future? Like, it sounds like you've got your thumb pretty well on that pulse. Well, what do you see coming? Well, you know, there's been different directions by different leaders throughout the, the last few uh, I would say the, the last five to 10 years. Uh, Marissa Myers at Yahoo was against a virtual organization and she brought everybody or wanted to bring everybody back into the home base. Whereas other companies like IBM have long embraced this virtual component. And uh, I would say a, a large percentage of their company is virtual. Same with the airlines. I mean, if uh, today, if you call almost any airline and speak to someone at their call center, you're talking to them in their living room or their kitchen where they work. So 
Virtualization is essential to profitability, but here's the best part. Virtualization is essential to the enjoyment of our employees' lives. And I think what you do with virtualization is you create a lifestyle that people want, which reduces stress, increases productivity, certainly um, increases longevity in terms of staying with the company. And um, it's provable by studies. So Stanford University did a study does working from home work and documented a 13% increase in the first tier relationship with the company. And it goes even deeper. So as you get further and further up the management chain, that productivity increases even more than 13%. So the benefits of doing it are so far outweighing the, the restrictions of not doing it that it's important to think about it, even if it's partially done in your company. Wow. Again, bold words. I really appreciate, um, your stance on that. I, I like that it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty definitive. The writing's on the wall, essentially, for those companies. Um, how, how much of that do you think, do you attribute to just in a lot of cities and, and locations, a scarcity of space, cost, you know, rising cost of, of office space and, and, and just the, the brick and mortar doing of business when there's so many virtual solutions available? Well, let me turn that question upside down. Uh, and talk about the technology for a moment. The, uh, when I had my software company, I had to spend about $350,000 on a telephone PBX switch, which occupied uh, a room the size of a bedroom. And it would require enough energy, uh, frankly, to run a household every week. Uh, it required cooling. It required staffing. I had several people full-time to tend to the equipment. I had uh, several hundred people in a bullpen environment, each with their own headset and phone, each uh, with a space in the parking lot, each in a building that was insured. And all of those things uh, did not make my operation more efficient. It made it less efficient. So when you start thinking about the tools available today, we now have tools where millennials who would love to be able to work only when they want, for example, can now do so on their iPad, even in a call center environment. So we have probably, and without a doubt, the most advanced tools ever available. And I, and I started to talk about them in the book, but you know, my book was published in 2015, and the day it was published, many of those tools were changing. So I have a website called invisibleorganization.com where I keep everybody who's bought the book current on a lot of the technology that's available now. Mm, beautiful. Yeah, that, that's one of the hardest challenges in the, in the technological age is just keeping up with all of it um, and, and, and making sure that, that people are attuned to information. My, my husband and I were just having that conversation this morning about the app world and the plug-in world, and it's like it, it is a big challenge. Like There are some amazing, amazing solutions, but the upkeep and, and staying ahead of that technology um, the kind of that, that exponential growth that technology seems to experience. I liken it to consciousness. You know, I've often said that, that businesses have to pay attention to the speed of technology as well as the speed of consciousness um, yep. in order to keep going, in order to be successful in this day and age. And it's, um, I, for one, welcome it. Like, that's part of what drew me into business after the government was, um, I, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get bored um, within this <laughs> sector. And, uh, you know, where, where's some other... Um, 
you know, my experiences in corporate and academia and some other things and, and the mm-hmm. government in particular were a little bit slower paced. You know, I, I like the pacing of entrepreneurship and, and staying ahead of those curves. Um, so what, what, what parting words do you have for, for those individuals who listen, who, who are looking at, you know, maybe making more their business more virtual or looking at getting into a business and are exploring a virtual model? What, what advice do you have for them? Well, first of all, I have a feeling that many of the people listening already know how to work at home. I think a lot of people are very in tune to being a virtual employee or running a company virtually like you and I both do. I think the bigger challenge is for larger companies. And I think that for larger companies, they are terrified of relinquishing control, which is by sending Mm. people home, they believe they're relinquishing control. When in (laughs) fact, the exact opposite is really true. So my perspective on this is that if you're listening to the show and you are working from home, then, then that's great. Keep going. If you're listening to the show and you're a mid-level uh, management person or uh, running a larger organization, then truly understand the economics of going at least partially, if not fully virtual, and you'll see some amazing things as a result. Mm, great advice. I, I, I could talk to you for hours about your take on business and, and the work and research that you've done. And, and um, I love how eloquently you put it together. Um, I, 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 for one, am a big fan of what you're doing in the world. So thank you. You're very welcome. Where can, um, other than your website that we mentioned earlier, um, invisibleorganization.com, and, and you said that that's specifically for folks who bought the book, correct? That, that's specifically for folks who bought the book. Best place to reach me is mitchrusso.com. M-I-T-C-H-R-U-S-S-O.com. And I'd like to invite, if it's okay with you, I'd like to invite your listeners to come tune into my podcast because I have been lucky enough to attract some amazing people onto my show. And my podcast is called YourFirstThousandsClients.com. So come listen and take advantage of some of the incredible people who've shared their wisdom, just like you have here with, with your show. So I mean, to me, I think, as we spoke about, I think podcasting is one of the most valuable mediums for conveying value to other people because it works for everybody involved in the entire chain. Mm, beautiful, beautiful. Well, you are definitely an asset to the world, and, and we're just happy to know that you're out there doing the work that you're doing, and thank you for sharing a little bit of time and space with us today. My pleasure, Tanya. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We've been talking with Mitch Russo about building virtual business in a super-powered world. Um, It's a lofty goal, folks, but um, definitely worth the undertaking. So check out Mitch and his book and his podcast and and all the wonderful content he's putting out in the world. And um, as, as always, folks, we appreciate your loyalty. So thank you for listening. And until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers, and change the world. Take care, everyone. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.